Hi there, I'm Gabby. Welcome to another episode of the Happier Life Project, brought to you by the free award-winning mental health and wellness app, My Possible Self. In today's Ask the Expert episode, we are talking about and learning lots on health anxiety. About 50% of the questions today are from me and 50% are from you guys once a month on social media. We give you a heads up of what topic we're going to explore and give you the opportunity to message in with any areas you might be struggling with, any advice you'd like, any questions, and I will put it to our expert. Today's expert is a former health anxiety sufferer. Now she's a very relatable health anxiety therapist and expert with lots of followers online. Her name is Cheryl Roberts, but on socials she goes by Cheryl Thinks. You're going to really learn a lot today. I know I did talking to Cheryl. So ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Cheryl Roberts, welcome to the Happier Life Project. It's so great to have you with us today for our Ask the Expert episode. And today we are exploring all things health anxiety related, which is a much bigger topic than maybe somebody might think. And I guess that's because it falls under the big umbrella of anxiety. Right. But as you know yourself, because you specialize in this, it's quite the problem. It is. I think it's something, I mean, the word hypochondria is something that like people throw around, but mm. having true health anxiety is really, really difficult. And the good thing is there seems to be a lot more awareness for it now. So I'm really hopeful that in time it will be something that's a lot more understood because there's definitely a bit of a stigma attached to it. So yeah, that's why I'm trying to do on my own sort of channel is like raise awareness so that people realize that actually they're not alone, you know? Yeah, I've seen that on your channels and definitely the content is resonating and you're really helping people because I've seen some really lovely comments. And this all stemmed from you being a health anxiety sufferer very severely, it sounds like. Would you mind sharing a little bit of your story? Yeah, so I've always been an anxious person. Um, I like to joke and say I left my mother's womb anxious because I've just always been that way. But when I was younger, it was definitely more generalised anxiety. But my health anxiety started when I had my first child. Mm -hmm. And... It started off just by me finding a little lump that was like just a small little lymph node. And I completely lost control over it. I thought I had cancer. I thought I was dying. And it was very, very extreme. I had a newborn baby at the same time. So I was very much like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to leave her. And this is awful. And I kind of thought that maybe that would have been the end of it. But it was it was like the tip of the iceberg. It was just starting. And then I moved from that. And then I thought I had a brain tumor something around my heart and all went through all the cancers basically and it took me a while to recognize that I actually had a problem and it was very very severe it completely took over my life I became really very mentally unwell but kind of refused to accept that it was a mental health problem and very much still believed that there was something physically wrong with me It was the darkest time of my life. And honestly, like when I look back to the first two years of my daughter's life, it's all a complete blur because I was in fight or flight the entire time. And I think this is something that I've always tried to get across is that, you know, it can be really, really debilitating, not just a bit of, oh, I'm a bit anxious. It's like for me, it was, 
I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I wasn't leaving the house. It changed my entire personality. Absolutely. Wow. So was it any kind of little, not little, but, you know, any ache, any pain, anything that you jumped to worst case scenario? Everything. Like I just suddenly became so hyper aware of my body and any little sensation, any little mark on my skin, my brain was just taken and massively catastrophized. And it was so difficult because as a human, we are going to get aches and pains and, Mm. you know, spots and things. But once you have that awareness, it's like you just, you can't stop and it becomes so out of control. It's It's really awful, honestly, really awful. I'm so sorry you went through that. I'm curious in terms of like going to the doctors, you must have been going quite frequently or at least trying to, I know that's half the battle, right? To actually get seen. So did your practitioner pick up on the fact that you might have a mental health problem and health anxiety? Is that how then you could start to recover? Yeah. So I was at the doctors all the time. To be honest, it got to the point for me where I was embarrassed, but I almost didn't care because I was like fighting for my life, at least in my viewpoint back then. Mm. So I was at the doctors all the time. There was one month in 2019 where I went to A&E every day, convinced that I was having a heart attack and, you know, I was having panic attacks. But yeah, the doctors definitely knew that it was anxiety and would tell me that it was anxiety. But I... I actually got very annoyed about that back then because I felt like they were just dismissing me and, oh, it's just anxiety. Mm. And I kind of felt like the boy who cried wolf. And every time I went, I got to a stage where I was thinking, no one's listening to me. And of course, they were right. But my mindset back then was, they're just going to assume that everything's anxiety. And I actually could have things, you know, seriously wrong with me. So... Can we backtrack a little bit to a simple definition of what exactly health anxiety is, please? Absolutely. Health anxiety is when somebody has a fixation on their health. And with that comes lots of problems. Not only do we become very hyper aware of our body and we can develop somatic symptoms, but our thinking becomes very skewed. So we're thinking very catastrophically through tunnel vision, uh, lots of what is thoughts. So, you know, when we think about generalized anxiety, well, that's kind of very general. But with health anxiety, it is the constant fixation that we are seriously unwell or there's something really bad going to happen. And it's really hard to break away from that because it's our health. So our brain sort of prioritizes that quite severely as you can imagine because it's like the brain doesn't want to get that wrong Mm, yeah well I looked into some statistics and um, I'll share them here I'm sure you've already heard them but it is a common condition diagnosed in four to five percent of people but experts believe the disorder goes undiagnosed and may affect more than 10 percent of the this is the entire population we're talking globally so why do you think people suffer so much in silence then? Well, I think firstly, a lot of people feel that they're just being dramatic, right? Which is not the case at all. And it's a very isolating condition. You feel very alone with it. I know that I did. And I actually 
kind of kept it to myself for a while because it does it, it sounds very self-absorbed to constantly be like there's something wrong with me there's something wrong with me but it's it's not actually it's not that it's that we genuinely believe it and I think yeah people just struggle to open up to people because I mean I definitely try to and you know get the odd people just going like oh just just don't worry about it just forget about it you're fine mm. and so you think oh well, that's not really great advice and I think then you just sort of, yeah, you keep it to yourself, which is really sad. Because actually, as you said, there's lots of people suffering, but lots more suffering in silence. Mm. So then what's the best course of action? Is it to find somebody like you that is an expert in this area? I think finding a therapist that understands is really key. I had some wonderful therapists when I was going through it, but there was definitely a bit of a disconnect because I knew that they didn't understand. And so I felt like I was having to over explain myself. So I do think finding a therapist that understands is key. Yeah, it doesn't happen a, on the first yeah, day, unfortunately. Yeah, it doesn't. You've got to, you do have to sort of like shop around a little bit. But that for me was, was a bit of a game changer for sure. Uh, okay, I think we should go to some listeners' uh, questions and app users. Okay, my partner suffers from health anxiety. What are some of the avoidable triggers we might look out for? Okay, so I mean, there are triggers everywhere for starters. Um, Some of them are avoidable. Lots of them are unavoidable. Avoidable triggers would be the obvious things of like, probably don't go watching Grey's Anatomy or anything where it's going to be actively very sort of triggering, Um, especially not in the short term whilst you're recovering um, because that's just going to be far too much information for um, somebody with health anxiety to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm actually quite passionate about learning to expose ourselves to the things that we may want to avoid in an attempt to desensitize our nervous system. So yes, absolutely. You know, I wouldn't be sat here watching Grey's Anatomy, but you know, there are certain triggers where I think we do want to be able to sit with the trigger and and allow ourselves to feel it, actually, and to just not do anything in an attempt to sort of show the nervous system, actually, it's okay to feel anxious sometimes is probably the better approach. Surely as well, I'm just thinking about like Googling. That's probably the worst thing you can possibly do. That for me, like when I work with clients on a one-to-one basis, that's the first thing that I stamp out because Googling is awful. You know, it's the thing is, is that we Google in an already anxious state. So your amygdala, the part of your brain that is looking for threats, will find the Mm -hmm. worst thing that that it can find. So you type in headache, all you're going to see is brain Mm tumour and you're going to identify with it and boom, before you know it, you're convinced. So yeah, for me, you know, I have these sort of like four safety behaviors that I work through with clients and Googling is up there with number one and you have to manage it to be able to manage health anxiety. There's no way that somebody could continue Googling and right. recover from their health anxiety. It's it's up there with the the worst thing that we tend to see. Wow. That must be so difficult for somebody going through that to not do it as well. I mean, it's so easy, right, to get online. What are the other safety behaviors that you, yeah, if you don't mind sharing, I'm Mm -hmm. curious. So Googling is number one. That's where people often go first because it's, like you said, it's easy. Pick up your phone, got the information. 
Secondly is excessively checking the body. So um, people with health anxiety will tend to like check their pulse 50 times a day because they're worried about their heart or they'll check their moles, you know, several times per day. And that excessive check-in leads to more panic, more worry, more hypervigilance. You start finding things that have probably been there your entire life, but now suddenly you're like, oh, what is this? And the more you check, the more you're sort of telling your nervous system that you think that there's something wrong. So like when I had health anxiety and I was worried about my heart, I genuinely was checking my pulse constantly all the time. And it gives you like a short burst of reassurance, but it, it's so short lived that actually it creates more problems. So that's another big one. Third on the list would be reassurance seeking. So that can be from medical professionals or it could be from family and friends. I was definitely guilty of this, you know, constantly all the time, like ringing my mum, do you think I'm okay? Have you got this? Have you had a headache like this? And so, again, it's something that gives you temporary relief, but all it's really doing is it's just this cycle of problem solving that leads to nowhere. And then fourth on the list is avoidance. So quite often you'll see people saying, I'm not going to exercise because I'm worried about my heart or I'm going to shower in the dark because I don't want to look at my body. And oh, so wow. again, what you're doing is you're you're telling your brain that there's all of these problems that just makes it worse. So for me, what I do with my clients is we look at those four safety behaviors. Which ones are you doing? Which ones are the worst? And we work at kind of like stamping those out. I can't help but think about my own kind of struggles with anxiety in the past. And um, I was diagnosed with a panic disorder. And when you're talking about health anxiety and symptoms, the first time I had a panic attack, I didn't know I was having a panic attack. I know this is a very common story, but I genuinely thought I was having a heart attack. And then I thought I was like choking to death because I couldn't take in enough. Or so I thought I was living in the States at the time. And I was like, I don't know what's happening, but my sister's a nurse. So I called her bless her in the UK because of the time difference and whatnot. But she answered. And then I sort of said, look, this is happening. I think I might be dying. And she was like, Gabby, everything you've just said is like a panic attack. And she knew I'd been like crazy stressed with stuff that had been going on with work and da, da, da. And I bring this up because the symptoms feel so real, like you're in it. And is it the same with, with like health anxiety too? Like you're really experiencing or you feel like you're really experiencing these symptoms? Mm. Yeah, well, you are experiencing the symptoms, you know, when we're, in that fight or flight mode, loads of physiological changes happen in the body, which leads to all kinds of symptoms. You know, I think when we think about anxiety, we think about like, you know, some palpitations or dizziness, but it goes far beyond that. You know, like you said, like sensation of choking, eye floaters, muscle twitches. And that's because our nervous system is designed to, oh gosh. I mean, honestly, there's probably a list of like 300 symptoms that you could write down. There's just so many. Some are really common some are a bit more obscure and rare I mean I had so many but it's you know we're designed for these short bursts of stress but on a long-term basis which is what happens with health anxiety is that the body starts to get affected you know it we start to get IBS we start to get tension headaches and so um all of that excess adrenaline and cortisol and tension like it does it causes so many symptoms so I always say to people, you are really feeling them. They're not in your head. You are feeling physical symptoms. It's just they're not coming from a pathological cause. They're coming from anxiety. It's the mind-body connection. Yeah, wow. Okay, sorry. Going back to the listeners' questions, 
I have a fear of going to see the doctor, but also anytime I get ill or I notice any kind of change to my body, I'm crippled with anxiety to the point of panic attacks that I'm dying. I've done enough research to know rationally what's going on, but that doesn't seem to override the feelings of impending doom. Yeah, it's a tough one. There are lots of people with health anxiety that actually become a bit more avoidant. So they they do want to go to the doctor. They want to get checked, but they're terrified of doing so because they believe they're going to go and they're going to get bad news, right? Yeah. I would say with that, really, it is a good idea to just book an appointment with your doctor just to go in and say... I have health anxiety. I have feelings of absolute dread when I think about coming here. And so I've booked this appointment today just to sit down with you and to tell you this is how I feel so that should I need to come to you in the future, I've kind of broken the ice a little bit. And this is something that I get a lot of my clients to do. And they find that they go in, they speak to their doctor in a very candid way. Their doctor's like, oh, gosh, no, please come and see me. Like, I'll, you know, I'm aware now that you have health anxiety. And just knowing that you've had that conversation with a doctor, the next time feels a little bit easier. And, you know, in one sense, we don't want people to over rely on going to the doctors either. So there's a very fine balance when it comes to health anxiety. But yeah, I mean, I think that when it comes to having health anxiety is that that feeling of of impending doom is really awful when you're in it as well. And it can lead to panic attacks. And there's lots of self-help tools that can help with that sort of feeling, whether it's like breath work or taking a cold shower, nervous system regulation things, but ultimately addressing the core of that person's anxiety is probably what is needed, probably through therapy, to sort of get the nervous system to settle and stop that feeling of dread that this person is feeling. I think that's really helpful advice, you know, guiding us with the wording to the doctor, because I guess with something like this, you can probably get quite choked up, can't you? Or you're like, you know, you're trying to find the words because it's really hard to articulate something when you're like, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm getting all of these and then there's this and then there's this and it can all kind of come tumbling out, can't it? Where the doctor's trying to, you know, they've got a short space of time to try and figure out what's going on. So yeah, that's really helpful. Speaking of breathing, there is a question, are there any breathing techniques that are particularly effective with health anxiety or for health anxiety? It's a good question. I particularly like box breathing. I feel like box breathing is not only is it quite easy to do, but it's very soothing to the nervous system. So it's something that I often recommend to my clients. There's also um, another type of breathing called the physiological sigh. And this is something that's become quite popular in the last couple of years. There's a uh, neuroscientist called Dr. Andrew Huberman who sort of like demonstrates how to do this. It's a very simple breathing exercise where you just take two inhales followed by an exhale. So sort of like one long inhale, like a so a long one, a short one and an exhale. And you only do it like three times. So it takes seconds. And that's quite nice to do if you're in that intense panicked States because it's not like oh, I've got to sit here for 20 minutes right it's something you can do in real time so yeah box breathing the physiological side those two are quite nice but there's I mean there's so many isn't there it comes down to preference some people will say I actually really don't like box breathing mm-hmm. I like this but I always recommend just give a few of them a go figure out what works for you and whatever that one is just get consistent with it yeah yeah I've not heard of the psychological sigh is that what you physiological sigh 
physiological side before. Yeah. Okay, we have the the box breathing on the My Possible Self app. You can actually follow it because it's like in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. And so there's an actual box that you can sort of follow. It knows nice. quite hypnotic actually. So that's that's helpful. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. I have anxiety about getting to the perimenopause and menopause stages. My social media is flooded. Oh, social media. Here we go. Is flooded with content talking about all the ways a woman's body changes and none of it seems positive. I know it's inevitable, but the dread of aging and how it will impact my health is deeply affecting my well-being. Uh, I don't have a lot of extra income to try and find a therapist about this. Is there anything you can suggest I can do that will bring me to a place of ease with the future? This is a really good question. I think that so many people have dread when they think about aging mm. um, because there's so many different changes and a lot of it that is completely out of our control. I definitely used to feel this way um, and would feel that deep sense of dread. I think one thing for me is looking into acceptance. So looking into acceptance of all of the uncertainties that are going to come with the future. And I like to look at aging now as a gift rather than like a burden. And that was a mindset shift that, don't get me wrong, it definitely took me a while because there are there are lots of things that I still fear when I think about getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely look into acceptance, commitment therapy. And the good thing is you don't necessarily need a therapist for this. You can definitely do your own research. There's a really good book called The Happiness Trap yeah. um, by a guy called Russ Harris. Yeah, we've and had him on the podcast. Like, yeah. Have you? Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. I I really like his work because I love the way that he sort of takes a situation that is very anxiety inducing and uses acceptance and sitting with uncertainty and things like cognitive diffusion Mm -hmm. to get you to view whatever it is in a bit of a different way. Mm -hmm. Also gratitude as well. I mean, I, I think using gratitude for the life that we have now was another thing for me that really made a difference and trying to be more present now because our mind likes to shoot forward to the future. And quite often what we're doing then is we're missing out on the present moment. But those fears are valid. And I think one thing that this listener should do is is to accept that their fears are valid and they're not completely irrational. But it's, yeah, slowly but surely learning to accept and acknowledge that we're all in this together and maybe trying to change that mindset that we have when it comes to aging. Mm. Actually, before I ask this question, because they bring up COVID and the pandemic, do you think there has been a massive health anxiety increase because of, you know, what happened in 2020? I've definitely seen a huge influx in people needing therapy since 2020. Mm. I think the thing is with the pandemic is that we were told to actively be aware of our own health and to monitor ourselves. And, you know, people were checking their oxygen and and all things like that and their temperature. So people who previously didn't have health anxiety Mm. now were thrown Mm. into this world of, oh, like it's all over the news. It's everywhere. It was very tragic. It was very, very scary. So, yeah, I do think that 2020 and the pandemic had a huge impact on people with pre-existing anxiety. But also, like I said, I've had so many people come to me and say, do you know what? I had zero anxiety. 2020 hit and all of a sudden, you know, I was worried about my health. Yeah. 
Yeah. And anybody near you coughing, it's like, oh, God. Oh, God. God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is kind of I don't know if there's a question in it or more of a share, but they say since COVID and the first lockdown, worrying about getting ill is taking over my life. I still wear a mask a lot and disinfect my hands all the time. So I don't really know what the answer is to that one. Um, Well, it's created a hypervigilance, hasn't it? You know, and, and in part, obviously, at the time that was the responsible thing to do is what we were told to do um mm. but some people have have found it really hard to to break out of that habit yeah. um and so what i would say with that it's just about sort of like gentle exposure challenging yourself seeing if you can sort of say right well actually i'm not going to wash my hands straight away because it can turn into a bit of an ocd thing then obviously which we don't want so it's just gently challenging it This was actually what I was going to ask you at the start of the interview as well. So thank you for bringing up the OCD thing. What is the relation between health anxiety and OCD? Because it seems like the two are quite linked. Yeah, I like to think of health anxiety as OCD's ugly cousin. They're very, very similar in the way that they present. They both have obsessions. So we have the obsessive part of it and all of those catastrophic thoughts. And then you've got the compulsion. So when we think of typical OCD, you know, we see somebody washing their hands, fear of contamination, not wanting to leave the house. And with health anxiety, you've got compulsions, but they're just different. It's the Googling, it's the body checking, it's the avoidance. So they're very, very similar in the way that they are. It's just the theme is different. But yeah, for me, the way that health anxiety and OCD are treated are almost identical. You get the person to work on not doing their compulsions and to work on sitting with their obsessions and not trying to problem solve them. Mm. I'm going to couple the next two together because they're similar and I'm sort of conscious of time. How do I get my anxiety under control? And what would you say is the key to managing health anxiety? Because I think I think they are both pretty much asking the same thing. Yeah. When it comes to managing health anxiety, the first thing, and this is like the crucial step, is always manage those safety behaviors first. So I, my opinion is you could have somebody who has the best therapist in the world. They could be journaling, meditating, going for walks, doing all the right things. But if they're still up at 3 a.m. Googling the cause of their headache, Mm -hmm. it's not going to go away, right? So you've got to kind of take out the behavioral things that are making it worse. So for me, it's always starting there. It's saying, right, what am I doing that is making this anxiety worse? And if they can identify, right, well, I am Googling my symptoms or I am at the doctor's every other day, I'm tracking my pulse, it's starting there. Because without that, the anxiety is just going to continue anyway. You can't, you know, we know that we don't have complete control over our thoughts, nor do we have complete control over our symptoms. So we've got to say, right, well, I have to deal with the way that I'm reacting and responding to those two things. And once you've done that and you've got those under control, believe it or not, about 70% of your anxiety will go away just from doing those things. And what you're left with then, you know, I think looking into um, cognitive diffusion, which is under the acceptance commitment umbrella, is a really good way to look at how can I manage these catastrophic thoughts and learn to kind of sit with them and not buy into them because the problem with our anxious thoughts is that we trust them and we believe them and what we want to be able to do is to step back and separate ourselves from them so that we still have them we can't get rid of anxious thoughts I mean 
we're designed that way but we do want to be able to step back and recognize oh this is a thought that actually I don't have to trust I don't need to buy into it it's a bit of a process it takes time but as a starting point it's going to be those safety behaviors for sure and that's where I will say Russ Harris has got some great YouTube videos hasn't he about like making you think about the thoughts as, as separate from you yeah. 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 Um, I think that's a really nice place to wrap things up because we do have to squeeze in the Happier Life Project's last five in five. And these are more like quick fire questions, the same five questions that I ask every guest to wrap up the episode. So, okay, here we go. When and where are you at your happiest? The beach, for sure. What's your favorite thing to do that nourishes your mental health? I like to stand barefoot on grass. What piece of advice do you now know that you wished somebody would have told you earlier that would have made you a happier person? That all feelings, experiences are fleeting and this too shall pass. Oh, nice. What is the most important one thing that needs to change to make the world a happier place? Empathy and compassion, I would say. Finally, what is a simple actionable step that we can take when it comes to managing health anxiety that will help us on our mission to building a happier life? Stop Googling your symptoms. Perfect. Cheryl, thank you so much. This has been really, really enlightening. So for people to find you and check out your content, YouTube and Instagram are the two main places. And it's Cheryl Thinks. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you again to Cheryl Roberts. And thank you to you for listening to this episode of the Happier Life Project with me, Gabby Sanderson. Just one more minute of your time for the important housekeeping before we say farewell. If you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. Those of you who are listening on one of the podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. If you are in crisis or you think you may have an emergency, please, please call your doctor or the emergency services immediately. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the interviewer, which is me, and the interviewees. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for professional or medical advice. The Private Healthcare are not involved in the production or content of this podcast. You know the drill by now. If you found this episode helpful and you don't listen to the podcast on the My Possible app, then please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and leave a review because it helps others in need to find us and hopefully get some free mental health supports. And to find and follow us on social media, if you're not already, we are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. Do take care and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.